Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us and God is in all truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Liberation and empowerment. We are promoting a knowledge that is engaging and transforming. And as always, we are about helping you, our listeners, to knowing, being, and impacting the world around you. And we thank you for being with us this morning, listening to us. Even if you're listening by way of archive, you're tuning in, and we just appreciate you. And as always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. Several ways you can do so. A uh, primary way, if you want to get your thoughts in on the air. You can call 347-237-5230. That's the primary number to get your um, thoughts on the air. Also, you can go to the chat room, blogtalkradio.com, slash zero today in the chat room. You can get in on there, and um, it's up and running. Also, visit our Facebook page, the Zero Network on Facebook. Listen to archive shows, share your thoughts or comments there if you'd like to do so. Uh, on Twitter at Zero Radio, those are the, that's the Twitter handle for the show, and um, share with us that. Send us an email, PastorLorenzoNeal at gmail dot com, and um, share with us that way. Plenty of ways, plenty of ways, plenty of ways. Visit the website LorenzoTNeal dot com and and uh, have great articles that we share and we write and we think uh, are necessary. But anyway, we've got a great shows lined up for you today. We're talking about Vicky Yohi. Uh, I think that's how you say her name, and uh, the great black gospel deception, and we're going to talk about that. Um, and um, I'm live streaming right now. I'm live streaming uh, the funeral service for Bishop Eddie Long, and we'll be talking about that uh, shortly also. And it's a lot of things we're going to talk. I want to try to get in in this hour, uh, if time allows. We're going to try to get in as much as we can. But uh, before we do any of that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we praise you. We praise you. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy, your loving kindness. We bless you, O God, for 
everything that you've allowed us to do, for this is the day that you made, and we choose to rejoice and be glad in it. Oh God, now we pray that you will just bless us indeed as we go forth in the rest of this day. God, that you will let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in this day. And amen, we pray. Amen. All right. So, uh, as stated before, I am live streaming today the the funeral service for the late Bishop Eddie L. Long, Eddie Lee Long, and um, they are there. It's been it started at 11 a.m. Central, excuse me, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, and they've had a number of dictaries of songs uh, that's been sang. Right now, they have some of the county uh, local officials for the Cab County and uh, Lanto Metro area speaking. Um, and we talked last week about his legacy and things of that nature. Uh, what would it be like? And it's still, it's still for some. They're still trying to, uh, they're still trying to, um, they're trying to assess, you know, what his legacy would be. Um, um, the one speaker, uh, the football player, uh, prime time. Whether I can't think of his name. That's sad. Y'all know who I'm talking about. Uh, spoke and talked about uh, Bishop's long impact on him and and um, how he taught him to be a man and helped him um, turn around his life. And I, I honestly, listening to him, I thought it was uh, Bishop T.D. Jakes who had done that, but I don't know. Anyway, the music has been good. The words have been encouraging. Typical uh, funeral, and it's just you know it's a it's a good thing, and it's good that they're honoring him in that way. Um, there's a story that was released on the Christian Post uh, today, where it says that after the controversy, Bishop Long admitted or expressed regret about becoming a celebrity pastor. And I read through it, and you can go, you can read it. Uh, simply go by, go to uh, the www.christianpost.com, and it's, it'll come up. It's one of the first sto- lead stories today. Um, but anyway, he talks about how before, um, uh, as, as, as when his career was was uh, going, growing. How at first you know travel getting invitation he said he, he said that uh, he walked into his his office humbled by the amount the number of invitations to speak across the country and around the world and that he uh, first you know simple amenities you know traveling things of that nature and then eventually grew and with the broadening of his ministry by way of television, radio, and uh, music. And, you know, he had a, launched a uh, record company. He, and all his entrepreneurial and things that he did with his with the church, you know, he rose quickly to the status of celebrity pastor. It didn't help that he was, you know, just as popular as uh, the founding bishop of the Full Gospel Baptist Church Fellowship, um, Bishop Paulus Morton, Sr., uh, they were two peas in a pod in so many ways. So even after Bishop Morton relocated post-Katrina, 
there was no threat to Bishop Long or Bishop uh, Morton's ministries. They 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 both were able to share in mega ministries, but he also he also said it it got to the point where he neglected the reality of his prophetic calling. How um, the fact that the fact that um, God had called him to be a prophet to the nations and when he had begun to be that prophet to the nations, he forgot that he was the prophet to the nation and was you know, got caught up in celebrity. And and it happens to the best of us. I, 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 can, I can only imagine how he felt. Uh, you know, the demand of ministry, the greater the demand of ministry, the, the more he began to enjoy it. And, you know, that is the way it is with life. Such is life. Such is life. We never, um, even Christ was fame, famous. In the, uh, in the Matthew um, story, uh, the story says um, Jesus' fame spread abroad. Now, that's not the best Greek word, but that's the English word that's used in King James Bible. You know, he was famous. However, his celebrity did not overwhelm him. He got away and somehow managed to to uh stay connected to the divine. Now, I don't know if Jesus were today, if he were in the world today, would he be like that? And I was watching some documentaries and I'm getting off topic a little bit, but I was watching some documentaries last uh last night early this morning about uh persons who were claiming to be Jesus, uh reincarnated or returned, you know, you know what I'm saying? The Jesus, and there are several dozen around the world who are making such claims. But the <laughs> probably the most renowned one now is one out of the Philippines. I believe that's where he is. Yeah, I think he's in the Philippines, and he calls himself the Son of God. And has in 2005, he you know that changed his ministry. Now he's a multimillionaire just because of that. Anyway. Uh, it's it's easy to get caught up in the trappings of celebrity in a world built off a capitalist system. You know where the demand uh, it's based on supply and demand. If you have the product and people demand the product, you supply the product. And unfortunately, that's uh that's what the gospel has become in so many ways. Um, uh, uh, an industry-based supply and demand commodity. And he succumbed to that, like many people probably before him um, have done, and following him will do. It's, it's really not much you can do about it. Really not much you can do about it. It is what it is. But we, what we can do is ensure that we are staying connected to the divine. Um, he wrote this book uh, about his, his journey following the... Um, the scandal that uh, I think he published not just it was last year sometime not not long not long ago maybe about four or five months ago uh, could be as much as six months ago that he published the book and um, I have yet to read it I I just uh, read a synopsis of it uh, other people's reviews I have yet to read it myself but I intend to just to get a, a glimpse into what it was like and I can imagine the trauma but. They're celebrating his life and his legacy at New Birth. And the question is, you know, did they have a support, uh, did they have a um, successor system uh, 
in place? Who who's replacing him? We had a pastor here in uh, Jackson, a prominent pastor, a regal pastor, very statement statesman, uh, and uh, preacher among preachers here in the state of Mississippi. And when he was feeling ill, you know, he 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 had plenty of associates, but many of them were not up to the task of pastoring the church. And I, uh, I wonder if that may, may be the case at um, at New Birth. Uh, but I know, you know, I'm glad I'm, I am um, <laughs> Methodist because <laughs> right? when I'm gone, they already got somebody in the pulpit waiting. <laughs> the next, the day after I'm gone, there'll be somebody appointed to the church. I'm just kidding. I'm exaggerating a bit, but you know what I'm saying. But anyway, uh, we're still uh, sending our prayers and condolences to the Long family, and not just his, but others who are grieving because of of what he, what how he affected them. Anyway, so um, let me move on to this next topic. I'm trying not to interrupt too much, but I'm trying to stay in the flow of, flow of things. We have a new president. We have a new president sworn in, President Donald Trump, Donald J. Trump, is uh, the 45th elected president of the United States, and he has come out swinging. <laughs> uh, now, I watched the inauguration. I'm not sure if you watched it, but I watched the inauguration, and excuse me, in spite of the protest and whatever was going on, I believe some of those protests were staged just because they needed, you know, they, they had to have the appearance that uh, people were enraged by this election, and I, I don't believe that's the case. Uh, divisive, yes, very, very divided, very, very unsettled, yes, definitely. That, there's no question about that. However, you know, to the point where people are looting and things of that nature, I believe those were staged. And that's just me. I have no proof to that. I'm not even going to try to <laughs> say that I have proof or anything. This is just that's just me, but. Uh, if you paid attention, you, you noticed Paula White gave an invocation. Uh, uh, Wayne Johnson gave an invocation. Franklin Graham gave a benediction uh, invocation. Uh, well, Paula, Graham, Paula White gave an invocation. The, the latter gave um, benedictions. And uh, with the exception of Franklin Graham, uh, the, the other two are charismatic Pentecostal. And prosperity preachers, and it was just interesting how they were integrated. And we're going to talk more about Paula White later. But um, what I was what I was hearing from, and what I've been reading is that this was the most Christian quote unquote uh, inauguration ever. And it was Christian because uh, those persons who prayed were unabashedly naming the name of Christ in their prayers. And there's nothing wrong with that. I commend that. You know, uh, this is what they, uh, the persons who elected Donald J. Trump, largely white evangelical Christians, voted for him. This is what they wanted to see, and they're getting what they wanted to see because they felt, they feel like the country has lost its Christian um, center. And for some reason, I don't, I don't know why they believe it has to be such, and why they are insistent on 
making America a Christian country instead of making America what it is, a diverse religious country. I, I don't know what that is. But they got what they got. They got a lot of people praying uh, the name of Jesus, which is, again, nothing wrong with that. Um, and what what... But the thing is the idea that prior presidents were more inclusive. And yes, there was a rabbi. Yes, there was a priest, uh, well, bishop, uh, archbishop from the Catholic Church. Um, but again, it was really not as diverse as some uh, prior. Um, but then again, I may be incorrect. If I'm in factual, please help me uh, get the the fact straight on that. I, I make you way off if I am. I, I, I can admit that. I can own up to it. But um, so the white Christian evangelicals are excited and they're writing, they're posting that Christ is back in the White House simply because of uh, the person who prayed. And, uh, and I sneered a little bit at Franklin Graham when he when he said it began to rain, as Trump um, did his inauguration, uh, swearing in and whatever, um, that that was a sign of blessings from God. Well, that I I'm I'm not even gonna. <laughs> it may be it may be a sign from God, but it could also be something else. It could be a limited display of God's sadness. But we would rather believe the, the former than the latter. We want to believe that God is smiling upon us and raining upon us His blessings, and and that for some reason this person, uh, Donald J. Trump, is the new Messiah for blacks and people of color. In 2009, it was it was President Obama, and for white evangelicals and some blacks and some other people of color, it's Donald J. Trump. Either way, however you want to spin it, it's being spun. But we have to be careful. and We have to be careful in the sense that we do not place onto our own selves this figure of a Messiah for our country. And he's quickly showing... In some ways, how arrogant and narcissistic he is. I mean, for example, he's saying the election that was fraud, it was voter fraud, and he still won. You know, I I don't get that. I, along with other persons, you know, you won, you won. Just relish in the fact that you won. And he's targeting or uh, announced today that he's going to investigate fully voter fraud, which most argue, most scholars and those leaders in uh, in that field, in that area of elections, state by state and federally, are, are saying there was no uh, evidence of any intentional voting fraud, be it by illegal uh, immigrants or dead people or people voting more than once. There was no evidence of that to support the statements. But, uh, you know, Trump is Trump. And <laughs> Like I said, he's come out swinging, and um, we will see what the next four years will look like because of his swinging. But anyway, I'm going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to get into this idea of the gospel 
deception, gospel deception, and Vicky Yoe will also talk about this idea of, of um, why do we give so many white people passes in the black church? Why are we so forgiving? Why are we so accepting? Why are we so <laughs> all of that? That's that's what I, I will be talking about. And the current face of that right now just happens to be Vicky Yoey. So tune in. We'll be right back after this. almost everything, so we know how to cover almost anything, even mermuts. And we covered it, February 3rd, 2016. Talk to farmers. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Those of you who've listened to my show uh, realized that uh, about a year ago, a little over a year ago, my computer crashed on me, and I had lost just, I thought I lost just about everything on my computer, all my important files and documents. But then I remembered that I had security. I had my files backed up automatically by Carbonite.com. Now, here's the good thing about Carbonite.com. They have the same encrypted technology that is used uh, for security, uh, e-commerce, transactions, all that stuff. They got it, right? And then they house it in state-of-art data centers that's guarded 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I wasn't worried because I knew my files were automatically backed up. And here's the good thing. I, I didn't have to worry about retrieving them either because I could access my files from any computer anywhere in the world. So if, if, if you, you feel like you're going to lose your stuff, I recommend Carbonite.com because that's the place to go. You don't have to worry about the cost either because they have a price for every budget you can imagine. Not only that, but if you go to their site today, you could get a 15-day free trial right now if you go in today. That's Carbonite.com for all your online backing needs. All they do is back up your files online. They don't do anything else. You can be guaranteed that all of your important documents, everything that you love on your computer will be safe and secure Check them out today at Carbonite.com for your online backup. Yeah, at first I thought it was just the stress of moving. Hey, I was using that. Think we own stock in the electric company? I will turn this car around right now. There's nobody back there. I was becoming my father. <clears throat> it's been an adjustment, but we're making it work. You know, Progressive.com makes it easy for us to get the right home insurance. Progressive can't protect you from becoming your parents, but we can protect your home and auto.
Alright, welcome back to Zero Today. To blah, 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 boom. Zero Today again. I'm your host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, and today we're talking about um, the gospel of deception. And primarily, we're talking about why are we giving black passes to white persons in the black. Uh, well, that didn't even sound right. Why do. Why why um, do we um, get black passes for artists like Vicky Yoey, uh, Paula White, preachers like Paula White, many others um, who come into our churches and in so many ways um, they say the right things, they tune up like the black preachers in because they can preach good or sing good or have that, that type of quote-unquote black anointing, black anointing. We tolerate them. Um, this is this has come to the forefront um, recently. We with uh, gospel artist, uh, recording artist Vicky Yoey, and um, she, if you are unaware of what she has done, uh, she tweeted out or put on Facebook, one of her social media, uh, a picture of a white man. Dressed as Jesus, or you know, with the Jesus look, you know, the long hair and beard, with luggage in his hand, with the, and this is a meme, and then the meme it has on my way back to the White House, and and followed that up with a uh, with the words march all you want, protest all you want, uh, President Donald J. Trump is our president for at least four years, uh, and then says no weapon formed against him shall will prosper. Uh, you know you're doing something right when there's so much opposition to it, or uh, so much opposition. Now, of course, immediately uh, people went off on it. You know, people went in on it. People said, "You got to be kidding me! Uh, how could you even say something like this? And you know, why would you even put that out there? The idea that it implies the idea. What it implies is that." For the last eight years, Jesus wasn't there, and you know there's there's the question of whether you believe you know Obama was an authentic believer in Christ or not. And of course, that has been going on for the last eight years. People were uh, calling him Muslim, you know, making him a Muslim, and he you know professed Christianity. And people were saying he you know, of course, Donald J. Trump was leading the charge in the birther movement. <laughs> so all of this, and so. <laughs> the idea of this this meme that she placed that she shared and then she really then she issues somewhat of an apology uh said that it was not her intention to hurt anybody she you know she just shared it real quickly before she realized what it was and that she did not mean to imply that Obama was not a christian uh but she said that she she did she did mean that her his policies were anti-Christian, you know, and I can understand that part of the apology, but that's about as far as, as about as, as far as it goes, you know, it really wasn't, you know, an apology, It's and, and I said this last, I've said this before, and I said it again, this is just simply an uncovering, it's an uncovering of what people are really believing, 
you know, particularly our fair-skinned brothers and sisters, our white brothers and sisters, what they're really believing. And, um, the, the fact that she shared the meme of a white male <laughs> as Jesus, reinforcing this idea that this is this is who Jesus this is what Jesus looked like. There is no ifs ands or buts about it. You know, Jesus was a white man, long hair, brown uh, brown hair, blonde hair, or whatever kind of hair with blue eyes and a beard and you know, or dark hair with a beard. But anyway, you know, he was a handsome white man. And that doesn't change. Of course, we know what Scripture says, you know, but I'm not even going to get into that. And I, I've shared this before, you know, that the, the ideal pictured painting of beauty that we get from the Renaissance and um, um, other periods of art history where they pit, they drew these beautiful portraits of what they believed Jesus looked like. You know, as an infant, he was this chubby, blonde-haired thing. You know, it, 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 a lot of they didn't, they weren't disillusioned. They went by their idea of beauty, and unfortunately, we continue to promote this even in our black churches. I had, you know, I've gone to churches and I still, I can, I despise looking at, and I, and I, I make no, you know, bleeps about it. You know, I don't want to go to a church and see a white Jesus at a black church. I don't want to go to a black church and see uh, Leonardo da Vinci's painting of the uh, the Last Supper as you know that's what we've taken it to be, and it's you know again it's, we know it's wrong, but that's that was their idea of beauty. But anyway, Yohi made her her fame. She has gained her fame in the black church, and she's she's gone on record to say you know she she came up in. Um, in a white church, but that because her parents were Pentecostal or apostolic or whatever they were, you know, they were more black-centered. You know, they, they sang the black gospel songs. They preached black-themed sermons, you know, black. I don't even know. They they hooped. They tried to tune up, you know. So she got used to that environment. She grew up in an environment, and uh, so that's what she was used to. And she was discovered by C.C. Wine, and she was on Praise the Lord, uh, PT, uh, uh, TBN, Praise the Lord, and she picked up by C.C. Wine, and that gave black credibility to her. And from there, you know, from there on, that was it. And she has publicly stated that 98, 95, 98% of her performances were in black churches. The bulk of people who support her music are black, you know, and uh, so she she has done that, and then she public, you know, to have her say what she says, or tweet what she tweet, or post what she posts, is is an affront to the the people who have given rise to her career in the gospel music industry. And I'll be honest with you, I I I I, I the only song I know from Yinlang Yin, uh, Vicky Ho Yo is. Um, because of who you are. After that, I you know I don't know any other songs. I may have heard them in passing, but I don't I don't know. I'm I'm not all that familiar. So, and I'm not going to respond from from being familiar with her career or being familiar with her music. I know she's a worship music uh, a gospel singer primarily, and that's a good thing. Uh, I think 
um, and I've, uh, a friend and I were talking about this, you know, once she sings, she's, you know, on point, you know, lyrics particularly for uh, because of who you are are just as uh, beautiful, lyrically, biblically sound and, and, and can lead you into worship, boom, like that. Um, however, she, there were several times that she has made posts that were questionable about her her view of race. And, you know, it is what it is. And then you have the person of Reverend Paula White or Pastor Paula White or whatever title she's going by. I don't know. Uh, who gave the invocation and uh, who was a, an ardent supporter of Donald Drake, J. Trump. Ardent supporter. I mean, she supported him and she was slammed for supporting him because she pastors a predominantly black church. And you had, you know, you had Donald Trump who's saying words like, well, the blacks need me. You know, they got no, what the blacks have nothing. And literally he did say the blacks. The blacks have nothing to lose. Their, their communities are poor, crime ridden, blah, blah, blah. Schools are bad, you know. So they ain't got, they have, the blacks have nothing to lose by voting for me. I'm laughing because I, that's just how hilarious it is. And yes, she supported, and because she supported, um, she was she was afforded the opportunity to give the invocation. Now, um, uh, Ann Brock, who is the who owns the site or uh, reports on the site, um, the Old Black Church, uh, had a post. That stated, uh, asked the question: Did um, did her church give money to Trump? Uh, Trump, boy, I tell you, to uh, Donald Trump's campaign. Um, the article is: Did Paula White give the church tithe money as a gift to Trump inauguration? Uh, and the article, if you read the article, it says that um, she gave uh, quite a bit of funds towards supporting. Uh, Donald Trump's um, presidential campaign, and that there's a story that's saying that um, she gave more. Hold on, let me pull it up. If I can pull it up real quick. Um, said that uh, on the backs of black people, Paula White raised $40 million for the Trump campaign and gave a gift of five million dollars for the inauguration. And um this is if that's the case, I I don't know, but this is the this is the story being reported. Forty million dollars uh she have raised for his campaign and another five dollars toward five million dollars toward the inauguration. Now my, again, what that wouldn't be a problem if she pastored uh she was like uh Pastor Jeffries in Dallas who, uh, again, another adamant supporter of Donald Trump, and, and I'm getting off I'm getting off tangent here, but you know it's just amazing to me, you know how these white evangelical pastors were holding Barack Obama to a higher standard, you know, of morality, and were questioning decisions particularly in and I I was backing them with this one you know on same sex issue uh 
I, I hold no qualms about that. You know, I did not support it, do not support it, but um, I do not agree with it. But you know, it, it's law, so we do what we do. But um, but then when you know you they condemning persons like Bill Clinton or some other pastors forcing them to step down because of sexual indiscretions. And here we have the President of the United States or the person who's campaigning with very well-known sexual indiscretions. And <laughs> he made no qualms about it. He, You're talking about a man who, who has not publicly, who's publicly said he doesn't believe he needs to be forgiven for anything. That's on record. That's on file, you know. But anyway, um, when we have persons like Paula White and Vicky Yoey doing what they do, uh, you know, we we have to ask the question: Why? Why do we? Why do we blacks allow that? Why do we black people, especially we black church people, why are we so loving and why are we so accepting? Why? Why do we do it? And when it comes to our own, we are not as loving and as accepting because we are the ones who tore down Bishop Long. <laughs> we we put him through the cycle. We did. We we're loving, and <laughs> when it comes to things like that, uh, things uh, people like them, but we're bashing when it comes to our own. And that's just the reality. That's just a, that's who we are. For some reason, I don't I don't know why that is, but that's why it is. That's it is what it is. But. Um, we we're so accepting and so um, loving. I just came across this article not long ago, and um, uh, let me pull it up. Where is it? Just had it a second ago. Um, blackface in the pulpit. Um, the problem with the black past. And I found this on my Facebook, but I think it's on several other uh, social media sites. But here's the here's the question: um, Why do we, as the Black Church, tolerate those who um, who don't really share our values? When the case with Paula White. Uh, you know, she's she's the pastor of a predominantly black church. She's uh, two times divorced. She's married currently to a, a rock and roll person, if I understand it correctly. And and uh, in in her case, she's pastoring black people who are wrestling with various, of course, they. Financially, but you're talking about economically, socially. She's not even in the in the right frame, and I'm probably a poor choice of words. Uh, but yet, she identifies with them because she talks about her testimony. Her testimony being uh, uh, an adult, uh, not adult. <laughs> she probably was. I don't know. I don't, God forgive me. Uh, her testimony of you know being abused, being neglected, being a single mother, and Overcoming all kinds of issues that she had in her personal life, in her ministry, that God has saw fit to bring her forth, and that that her empowerment comes from the Spirit of God, her ministry, and all that, and she's able to share her story to help others, and that's good. But should we settle on that alone? 
because we know a lot of jokers in the black church. That's their testimony. You know, they were this, they was this, that was that, and some of them are still. They never quit being that or this. You know, they just cover it up better. And the article. Let me read part of this. Uh, uh, the article here says their success, our expense. Uh, they have built their brand and their bank accounts on the backs of black audiences. They both embody performative black worship through their intonation and influence in black vernacular and colloquialisms. Colloquialism. And for some reason, we eat it up. We continue to allow them in our pulpits to lead our churches and to rob us blind in Jesus' name. We dance, shout, cry, and sow our seeds to their ministries while refusing to hold them accountable. We offer them a black pass, assuming that their presentation in our churches and concert venues is their authentic self. We give them far more grace and less scrutiny than we give our own and are suddenly shocked shocked when their true self is revealed. Man, that says a lot right there. That's That's a lot. And the problem, and, and this is why I titled it The Gospel Deception, because we do a very poor job of vetting those who, you know, who say they are with us. I've had some, I've had, I've had some uh, brothers and sisters uh, who are white share, and I, I know some, some great brothers and sisters who pastor churches that are, one here in the Jackson area is intentionally multi-ethnic, intentionally, and that brother's heart, he has a heart for people, he doesn't care what color they are. But then there are also, you know, those churches that they don't really care for us, but they don't mind us being in their church. They don't mind us being in their choir. They don't mind us giving them their money. And it's a sad it's a sad thing because we allow it. We we tolerate it. And when it comes to black performance, I think black uh black performances in the church because we are emotive and emotional and responsive in our worship, it's easier for them to come in and inflate that, and impersonate that. And if they do it right, we'll say, oh, they just adorned it. If a person of another color comes in and uh, they tune up, mm-hmm, whatever they <laughs> that was poor. <laughs> That was really poor. But if they do that, if they give the inflections that we are used to in the black church, we give them a pass. It's like, okay, they feel us. They got us. They understand us. They can, they can be on our program. They can be in our pulpit. They can do all of this. And there's nothing wrong, nothing wrong with like that. Nothing wrong like that. But will they push aggressively the things that are needed for us? I think about Father Michael Flager in Chicago. Now, that brother there. If you've never heard him speak, <laughs> you swear, you swear he, he, he got black in him. But what differentiates him is that not only does he share the rhetoric and the emotion of a black preacher, he shares the passion for the black people. So from his pulpit, he's going to not just only denounce the sins of the world, but he's going to denounce the bigotry and the injustice that accompanies it. He's going to denounce the fact that there are people in the neighborhood killing black on black. Yes, 
he's going to denounce that, and he's going to call, put a call to action to those blacks who are in the audience to do more to prevent, to be proactive and not reactive. Whereas Paula White, what does she do on a television, uh, television show and in the church? Ask for money. She preaches people happy to get more money. And that's just the reality. And there are others like that. I used to think about Harvester, uh, Will Harvest Church, Rod Parsley, his church in uh, Columbus. I'm not knocking him, but you notice he had a wonderful, large gospel choir. There was another church. Um, ah, Jesus. Is it Gary Oliver? I, I, I won't. Don't get me wrong. But anyway, I used back in the day when I was really, really into watching Christian television, there were several uh, churches that were broadcast on various uh, gospel or Christian television networks that had a large black congregation where the pastor was white. And, you know, you had this great black choir behind them playing gospel music, singing gospel music. And I always wondered how how was that? How do you, how do these blacks sit up on the, you know, a large? How do they sit up on a white pastor? And I'm not trying to be racist; just questioning. And when I was in college, uh, I, one of the research projects I did uh, was um, uh, bringing black churches into the Southern Baptist Convention. And part of my paper and part of my thesis was that a lot of black churches you know, would tap into the resources of the Southern Baptist Convention so that you know they can develop programs that benefit the church and the community. But um, most of those, most white black uh, white Southern Baptist churches would not go for a black pastor. However, there were quite a few black persons in white Southern Baptist churches. And not just white Southern Baptist churches, but that was what I was focusing on at the time. And I uh, and I wrote a paper about that. That sense of discrepancy. Why why what would it be like for an all uh, a predominantly white congregation to be pastored by a black person? We saw that briefly <laughs> recently. There's a church in Ukraine that uh, was pastored um, by a well, it still is, I believe, because even though he had a scandal, and I can't call his name right off, um, he had a scandal. But uh, he was uh, the pastor of a predominantly white church, a multi-ethnic church in Ukraine, but it was basically all white. Uh, and you know, he was from Africa. Uh, and um, I think it's the largest, the largest congregation in Ukraine. Um, anyway, I, I lost my train of thought just that quick. Um, maybe I can Google it. If you, you can, you can Google it. But anyway, there, uh, there, um. Every now and then, you have small pockets where white churches will have a black leadership team member, team member, or black pastor. But for pretty much, it's it's hard for white to sit on a black pastor. 
and it's not as hard for blacks to sit under a white pastor. I've always wondered why that is. Uh, some would argue that it's because, you know, the whites gave us the Bible and made us slaves convert to Christianity, and we've just been, that's just in our DNA now. We, you know, we got to fight against that and come out of it because, you know, we got to be delivered. And that may be true. I'm sure there's some, there's some truth to that. But it's beyond that. I don't think uh, that we <laughs> sit on a white preacher or a white pastor because we're still slaves. Or we still have that slave mentality. There may be some um, some truth to that. But I think it's more about comfort. I think it's the idea of the fact that the white person, you know, a person like Paula White, a white female, I'm not going to say a white male, a white female, uh, seems to more readily identify with our struggle than a black than a white male. It's very difficult for a white male, for example, like you have Pastor Ron Carpenter, you know, very successful man, man of God, uh, who has a very intentional. Again, he's one of those with an intentional multi-ethnic congregation. Um, but it's still, you know, he it's still difficult for him to identify. Um, with some of the issues of black his black parishioners, it, it's not saying that he doesn't. Not saying that he's unable to empathize, but it's, it's more challenging for him. And he's expressed that before. And I, I wish I had the documentation to to back this up. But I can I can uh, give out several other names of, of white male pastors who who are doing who do what they can. For those who are in a congregation who are um, black, but again, it's it's still challenging. And there are people who have planted black churches intentionally, planted black churches, white pastors who have planted black churches. Um, but we just think across the board. You know, when they come to us, we give them a pass if they can do it right. If they can do it right. Uh, or if they're saying something that we can identify with, we're quickly, we're more likely to quickly uh, uh, accept them. And once they're in, you know, they just get passed on, you know, <laughs> like a bad joint. <laughs> oh, forgive me, that was, that was very bad. That was very. Bad. But unfortunately, you know, we're we, we're freer with that. I wonder why that is, and wonder what we can do to counter that. How can we be more empowering in our own? You know, why do, like I said earlier, you know, when it comes to our own, we are more, we are more, uh, we're more, we're harder on our own than we are with anybody else. We make it, make it hard for our black men, our black women in ministry to, to uh, lead the charge in and uh, justice to lead the charge in righteousness because we'll look at their flaws and we'll quick we'll be more quick to say how flawed they are instead of how uh, aggressive they are against injustice for us. And we 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 don't want out for some reason we don't want our black preachers we don't want them speaking out 
We don't want them being aggressive and pursuing justice and righteousness. We don't. We want them to cater to the idea that has been supplanted in us regarding, hey, let's get our wealth and be happy instead of adjusting the social issues that uh, are keeping us from really accumulating wealth as a community. But that's neither here nor there. Um, I'm running out of time. I'm running out of time. I bring this to a close. But I, I do want to encourage you, um, those of you who, you know, reflect on this. Think about it. Share this story. Share share this broadcast. Share share all of this. You know, we it's not about it's not about putting people to shame, but it's about uncovering the reality. We want to be authentic people. We want to be empowered people. We want to be liberated people. We don't want anybody like AI. We don't want anybody in our camp that's going to cause destruction and shame. And unfortunately for Vicky Yoyi and others, many others like her, I'm quite sure there are others. She's just she's just at the forefront of this right now, who are bringing this on on themselves. And I feel for her. I feel for her family. She says she's gotten threats of all kinds, but you know that's what happens when you do that. <laughs> you know, at least Donald Trump is honest with his. Is everybody else we got to be concerned about? Everybody else be concerned. Hey, if you're in the Jackson Metro area this weekend, I mean not this weekend, but uh, on February 12, 2017, I want to take this moment to invite you to come to New Bethel Amy Church, where we will be observing our annual Men's Day, and our guest speaker will be the Honorable Carlton Reeves, who is a uh, uh, he's a judge for the uh, circuit court here in southern Mississippi, federal judge appointed by uh, President Obama. We're excited about that. We're excited about having him uh, visit the New Bethel Facebook page. You can learn more about that. And uh, I'm excited. So you come out uh, to our Men's Day, February 12th, 3 o'clock p.m., New Bethel Amy Church. Inviting you out to that. Uh, we're also excited as we move into the month of Sep- month of February. It is Black History Month, and we're going to be going at it because I got a whole lot of topics I want to talk about for Black History. But I also wouldn't mind hearing from you, so you can make sure you can uh, get in touch with me, Pastor Lorenzo Neal at Gmail dot com. If you got any comments. Go visit the Facebook page, Zero Network on Facebook. Share those comments about this show or any other show that you've heard. Listen to all of them. You're able to download them on iPod, your iPhone. Uh, they're available available in iTunes. They're available uh, as uh, podcast downloads. You name it, you got it. But take the time to visit and like the show, subscribe, like it, uh, boost us up, talk us up, and listen again. We'll be back next week. Uh, the Lord says the same, and if anything changes, we'll just change the date and come back on another day. But, <laughs> but we thank you for your listening to us. Tune in. Again, you can listen to any archive show all the way back to 2000. This is going into our seventh year. Isn't that some seven years? I'm excited. I didn't know I could do something that long. <laughs> but anyway, God bless you. God keep you. We're going to get on out of here. And that you have a wonderful day and wonderful week uh, as time goes on. This is Pastor Lorenzo Neal, and I am out. <laughs>